Hello and welcome everyone to another special edition of the Outback Quarterback Podcast. We have another great guest today. We're so lucky with the calibre of guests we've been able to get over this last couple of weeks. Today we've got Chris Haddad. He is the owner and one of the two coaches, along with his brother Danny, who run Victory Sports. Now, these guys, in particular Chris with his videos, have taught me so much about the game over the last few years. I'm by no means an expert, uh, but I'm certainly a whole lot better than I was just a few years ago, and that is in large part due to these guys and their educational tools. Chris is an expert at breaking down tactics in a simple way, and today I pick his brain about a few of the questions that have bugged me over the years and hopefully you guys have had the same questions as well uh we will have him on the show again in the near future but for now enjoy our first chat with chris haddad okay ladies and gentlemen pleasure my pleasure today to welcome to the show chris haddad from victory sports that's victory sports spelt v-i-q-t-o-r-y he's also known as coach chris um He's coached football for over a decade and he's currently the defensive coordinator and wide receivers coach at Bellingham High School in Massachusetts. And he's someone who has developed a mountain of content along with his brother Danny for budding coaches all around the world. I discovered Victory Sports and Chris on YouTube a few years ago. They got 12,000 subscribers there, 27,000 on Insta, and they've just released some coaching courses on their website as well. So um, it would take weeks to go through all their content. So I thought... What better than just have Chris on the show and welcoming to the Outback Quarterback Pod. So, Chris, thanks for joining us. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. I'm excited. So, tell us firstly, before we get into the tactical side of things, how did Victory start? What was your ambition with that? What are you guys working on at the moment? Yeah, I'll give you the short version. So, um, essentially, I was coaching. It was my first year coaching. I got into coaching right around the age of 25. It was my first year coaching, mm-hmm. and I just realized there was nowhere for kids to go to actually learn sports. I mean, you can go and play video games or, you know, if you don't have a good coach in your life to teach you the game or, you know, a father in your life or someone who knows the game, like where do kids go to actually learn the game of football? And that's kind of where the the idea originated from. And since then, it's kind of formed into a place for coaches now where coaches can go and learn that way they can teach their kids. So uh, it initially started, I built a mobile app to help players out where they could download the mobile app and they could just go through certain situations and learn the game of football that way. Uh, And then I quickly realized that uh, we need to be educating the coaches that can help these kids, not the players you know what I mean? Because end of the day, whatever the coach says goes, right? Absolutely. So it doesn't matter how much the kid knows. If the coach isn't teaching him properly, then uh, it doesn't necessarily, you know, like I said, matter what the player knows. And so you've, you're expanding the coaching courses. Am I right in saying that the last few weeks you've put some new ones online? Yeah. So me and my brother, Danny, we spent a few months putting this thing together. Uh, we call it the football coaches training program. So if you are a football coach and you're looking to get into the game of football, we wanted to create a resource where, you know, if I'm new or I'm young or whatever it is, and I'm eager to coach my son or daughter's team, like I can just go somewhere and learn the game of football. So we taught you like the more basic things, like how to schedule a practice, how to take a handoff, mm-hmm. um, you know, how to do just basic, basic things. And we, ta- we partnered up with Atavis, who's a popular tackling company. They do all our entire tackling module, uh, you know, how to teach with head out of the, um, head out of the tackle, yep. shoulder tackling. Yeah. So they do that. So it was cool. We, we reached out to them. We said, Hey, we got this initiative where we're trying to help coaches out. The program is completely free, which, um, you know, we thought would be a benefit for someone who's busy, 
Uh, you know, for me, I talk quickly and I like to talk uh, in a short span. I'm not someone who rambles on. My brother's the same way. So all yep. the videos are super condensed, you know, anywhere from two to five minutes. Uh, we weren't trying to burn your ear off. So it's just <laughs> quick to the point. And uh, yeah, that was something we just released within the last week and a half, actually, was our, our free coaches training program that uh, is available for free on our website. I'm, I'm glad you say, con, you know, concise videos, because that's one of the things that helped me when I was learning the game, you know, trying to learn it properly four or five years ago when I really, really yeah. got into it. Your videos, they're, they're to the point and they break yep. it down in a way that as an Australian who hadn't watched much of it before that, I understood. So that's sort of where I want to start on the show today. Um, we've got a lot of fans who... We got well. We got some who would be pretty good in their knowledge, but some that are the new to the game. So, right. there's some commonly heard terms in a game of NFL uh, that they may not fully understand, even though they hear it ten times a game. So, can we start with right. with one of those? And that play action RPO read option. Can, I, yeah, I those, know you got a video on it. How do you easily break that down for us? Yeah, the uh, so the RPO has been a, a big buzzword within the last. If you've watched any football whatsoever, whether it be college football or NFL football, that RPO buzzword I'm sure you've heard mm-hmm. a million different times. So, yeah, we wrote a we wrote a blog and did a video on the difference between play action RPO and a read option because those plays are all they're all within the same category essentially, but they're all vastly different from each other. So the best way we look at it in two opposite ends of the spectrum, right? So read option is a run play where they're essentially just reading a defensive lineman. And if he goes one way, let's say he follows the running back, the quarterback's going to pull it and he's going to run. Mm-hmm. If the quarterback, if the defenseman sits on the quarterback, he's going to hand it off to the running back. Okay. So the way to identify that is you simply look at the line of scrimmage. If the linemen are blocking run and that action's happening with the quarterback, it's read option. Now you go to the completely opposite end of the spectrum, play action, where the quarterback's actually going to fake to the running back, mm-hmm. but the line of scrimmage is blocking pass. All right, so that's the big thing when you're looking at it. Look at the line of scrimmage. They're actually – they might be pulling or doing whatever it is, but they're it's essentially they're blocking pass. It's just a, the action for the running back and the quarterback look the same like it's a run. Okay, so – you have your read option, which is a strictly run. You have your play action, which is strictly pass. Yep. And then there's this middle ground here with RPOs where the line is actually blocking run. So they're calling a run play in the huddle, but the quarterback, the running back, and the wide receiver are running some sort of pass play, okay? So the quarterback is reading one defender on defense. They, they call him a conflict defender, okay? They're going to put one person in conflict, and if he does X, they're going to do why. Okay. And that's right. all it is, is to put him in a position where he's wrong. So uh, the linemen have no clue though. They just know that, Hey, I can only get the three yards downfield or it's a penalty. If I go to four or five, six yards that's downfield, right. can't go beyond that quarter- point. Exactly. Yeah. And the quarterback has to throw it before that point. So uh, that's the main difference between the three is, you know, read option, strictly run play action, strictly pass. But then RPO is you get that middle ground of we're, we're running the football. We can, cause the quarterback can't hand the football off or I can pull it from the running back and throw it to my wide receiver. And, and they it's going to happen faster. And they might make, well, they have to make that decision at the last minute, right? Because they're reading it, exactly. how that defensive line goes. Exactly. And that's something that, especially at the college level, it's starting to leak into the NFL. You saw a little bit of the Chiefs do some of it last year. And mm-hmm. I, within 10 years, I would expect that it's going to be fully integrated, if not already into the NFL, where uh, a lot of teams are using it to their advantage of just, it's just, it's so easy to do. It's an easy read for the quarterback. You just stare at one guy. If he goes to the run, pull it, throw yeah. it. If he sits and doesn't move, they hand the football off. So it's a lot, it's a lot easier for the quarterback to attain. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Um, the yeah. next one I wanted to ask about is different types of offense. So I think the two 
that we most commonly hear about or have in the past, Air Raid, that's one that's talked yep. about a lot, and West Coast yep. Offense. Um, yep. Can you break those two down and are they still contemporary? Are there other ones that are being used more these days? Yeah, for sure. So <clears throat> we can start with the Air Raid Offense. Uh, you know, the Air Raid was made popular and founded by, um, you know, Mike Leach and Hal Mummy. And essentially, air is exactly what it sounds like. It's an Air Raid. It's the aerial mm-hmm. attack, right? Yep. So they're putting four to five receivers out and they're throwing the football all over. And there's a lot of concepts that are tied with the air raid concept. You know, one of them being Y cross, one of them being mesh, but essentially their terminology is also what differs from if we're talking West coast to, to air raid, if I'm calling a, an air raid play, so to say, right. They can just use, um, you know, whatever the formation and then the play name, right. So it could be split, right. Mesh. Bang, that's your play. So it's quick, it's easy. Everyone has the rules built into the play and you can move fast, okay? On the flip side with West Coast, their play calls, and if you guys want a good laugh, go just type in John Gruden, uh, West Coast Offense on YouTube, and you'll find a bunch of videos where he gives this whole dinner menu worth of options where it's like, you know, West right, scattered F left. I, I have seen one. Buzzer. It's insane. Yeah, it's it's a lot. And, you know, there's a, there's a popular video out there. I believe it's Chris Sims where he gives them this long play and Chris Sims keeps messing it up. And you can't blame the guy. It's so long that he has to memorize. And, uh, you know, but the big difference with, you know, the air raid is trying to stretch the ball downfield and they have all these concepts. But the West Coast offense is more stretching the ball horizontally. So they're trying to use all 53 and a third of the field wide in order to get the football out. So uh, it was made famous by Bill Walsh in the, uh, in the eighties with, of course, Jerry Rice emerged from that offense being the, the big time, but you look at a lot of Jerry Rice's catches was catch and run. So they're mm-hmm. trying to get the ball at intermediate levels and catch and run the football. So uh, that's really the main differences between the two. And to the second part of your question, the answer about the, about the offense that are used today, it's all a hybrid. You know what I mean? It's, mm it's very tough to say like one coach runs like this style of system and that's it. Like I mentioned the chiefs too, like Andy Reed is a born West coast. He was in that West coast system, but a lot of stuff that he does is has West coast principles to it, but you can see he varies. Like we just talked about the RPO game and doing different things to get players, the ball in space. And so it's all about adapting to your weapons then I guess. Right. So exactly. am, am exactly. I right? And just thinking on the fly West coast offense, you'd need guys that are really strong after the catch um, yep. and extending plays and air raid. You'd, you'd prefer deep threat players. Is that right? Yeah, essentially. Yep. Players that can get, you know, get open a quarterback that can handle the five wide sets too. Right. If you have a quarterback who doesn't do well, um, you know, standing in the pocket and taking shots and things like that, mm-hmm. probably not the air raid guy. You may need to put him under center, play action, things like that. But yep. if you have a guy that's six foot six, six foot seven, and can sling the ball over the field, like he's better suited to do so by sitting in the pocket and, and having five receivers run routes. Okay, switching to the defensive side of the ball, um, yeah. the two coverages we hear about, zone coverage, man-to-man coverage. Man-to-man sounds simple. Is it as simple as it sounds? No, it's one of the hardest <laughs> things to do in football, in my opinion at least. Uh, I think defensive backs, playing defensive back and playing man-to-man coverage is, my opinion, the hardest thing to do in football. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, So from a man-to-man perspective, it's exactly what it sounds like, right? It's if he runs – to the concession stand, follow him. Just shadow right? him. And that's yep. exactly shadow him wherever he goes. Um, so yeah, I, in my opinion, it's one of the hardest things to do in football. Um, but teams that do it and do it very well are often successful. 
And so zone then for someone new to the game, how, how, um, what are the basic principles of that? How does a zone defense work? For sure. Yeah. So zone defense, there's a different, a few different types of zone defense. And this is something where I teach my youth kids or, uh, you know, my high school kids that I coach as well. You hear coverage names. So cover zero, cover one, cover two, cover three. Like those are the main coverages in football. And the best way to identify that, that last number cover one, cover two is how many deep defenders there are in the field. Okay. So oftentimes teams will have four down linemen or three down linemen that are rushing to get the quarterback. But if they're playing cover three behind it, that means you have three deep defenders and everyone is dropping into a zone. They're going to cover a certain area of the field. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, you know, when the defense recognizes that it's a pass, they're immediately going to get to the area of the field and any receiver that runs into that area, they're going to cover them. So it's, um, it's easy to teach. You know, I think a lot of coaches will resort to zone coverages because it's very easy to teach. Hey, get to that area, turn around and look for the football or look for any guy crossing into your zone. So say there's a situation where it's, you know, third and 21 and the team with the ball, they need a touchdown uh, and they need yeah. to go long. Are you, are we likely to see a, a cover for a defense with, you know, yeah. all quarters covered? Is that how they would, they would call that play? Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of teams will play cover four, which means I have four deep defenders, three underneath defenders, and we're making a a sort of an umbrella or a blanket over the, uh, the deep part of the defense. That way no one gets behind them. Like you said, that way you don't give up a a touchdown or anything deep with the linebacker position. So will Sam and Mike, those, those three, um, distinguishing factors between the, the, the linebackers. Can you explain those briefly? What do those terms mean? For sure. Yeah. So a lot of coaches use them differently. Uh, I'm talking in a broad sense. So, you know, one coach may use it this way. Another coach may use it this way, but from a broad sense, Sam, Mike, and Will, when you think of S, M, and W, uh, a lot of coaches will use the S Sam for the strong side. Uh, The Mike, okay. Being the middle of the defense and then the W being the will. Okay. Or the weak side. So a lot of coaches will use Sam, Mike, Will. Hey, I have a Sam backer. He's always going to go to the strong side of the formation, meaning the player, the the form, the side of the formation with the most amount of players. Okay, that's what so we call where the, strong. Where the side. tight end lines up? Where it could be the tight end. Yeah, it could be if they have three receivers to one side, mm-hmm. that could be the strong side of the formation. Uh, if it's you know two receivers over here, two receivers over here. As you mentioned, is there a tight end to that side? Maybe I want to put my Sam to the tight end, uh, and then you have. Uh, a weak side backer who's not necessarily weak, right? Yeah. I think a lot of people will hear like, oh, he's a weak backer, meaning he's not strong. No, yeah. he's just playing the weak side of the defense. Okay, that makes sense. All right, yep. now, one of our hosts, Chris, uh, so we've got two other guys that host the pod. Um, yep. One-on-one for interviews at the moment, but we're working on it. Uh, Chris <laughs> is a huge fan of Kellen Moore from his Boise State days. He was his, he was his guy yeah, when he played. Yep. Yep. Um, and he now follows his progress as the Dallas uh, offensive coordinator. Does he have a particular style, Kellen Moore? Is there something that he's bringing to the game that's different, that's new? Yeah, so it's interesting. So I uh, I saw a stat recently about Kellen Moore. He he used, I think it was like the fourth lowest. So PFF, Pro Football Focus, yep. they put out Love a stat. I, I believe it was Dallas had like the fourth amount of personnel changes than anyone in the league, right? So what I mean by that is, uh, so the way that, and I'll break this down from a foundational level too. So mm-hmm. the way that defense, that offensive and defensive coordinators will game plan against each other. So the offense will 
put out what's called personnel, 10 personnel, 11 personnel, 12 personnel. And what that number is, the first number is how many running backs are in the game. The second number is how many tight ends are in the game. So when I talk about having 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends, okay? That number has to get up to five because there's five eligible receivers in football, okay? So if I say 10 personnel, one running back, zero tight ends, that means there's four wide receivers, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. Um, So Dallas has, they were notorious for 11 personnel. So they had one running back, Zeke Elliott, mm-hmm. one tight end on the field, Dalton Schultz. And, you know, they were able to use CeeDee Lamb, Mari Cooper, and then whoever they were subbing into that slot. Um, so it, it's interesting to see that Kellen Moore doesn't necessarily differentiate from his personnel packages and stays within his, his frame. You know, he keeps his good players on the field and he rolls with it where a lot of teams will rotate guys in consistently to keep the defense on their heels. Because if you think about it from a defense perspective, I'm game playing for personnel. So if I have two tight ends in the game. Mm-hmm. I got to get personnel in the game that, that can fit a two tight end sex. They're probably going to run the football down my throat. Right. So yep. uh, if I don't have any tight ends in the game, I want to get more speed on the field. That way I can cover more wide receivers. So that's how a defensive coordinator looks at the game of football from a personnel standpoint. So, um, you know, when Dallas talking back to Kellen Moore, Dallas mm-hmm. was notorious for 11 personnel and they hardly went away from that 11 personnel. Um, so I'm interested. So does, to see- does that does that mean that his um, the, the opposing defensive coordinator? I mean, that takes a bit of planning away. They they sort of know what he's running with anyway, so it makes it less complex their end. Essentially, yeah, essentially, and that was the knack on Kellamore a little bit was that okay. he didn't really change personnel much. But at the same time, like Dalton Schultz is a stud. You can put him out in the slot. You can put him as yeah. a tight end. Like he was that guy that was a hybrid. Well, interesting uh, to see how how Zeke goes. I mean, if Zeke continues to drop off he's not maybe where he was or he's a bit up and down uh you know does he right. continue to rely on that guy does he bring Pollard into the game more how how could that go right right and that's exactly and, you know do you take Schultz out and put Pollard in well you have Zeke in as well so now you have a 20 personnel look mm. uh, and that can shake some things up so again I I just hate I hate to criticize on people's scheme so to say just because I'm not in the room with them I'm not in the film room with them I'm not sure. studying with them so um but you know I saw that PFF stat the other day I thought that was very interesting that he didn't necessarily differ from his personnel but uh they got studs all across the field though yep. I mean CD Lamb's going to be a, an absolute star and you know it's just good to see that offensive line's still great and they're doing some great things so um yeah Someone we've talked about a lot in our episodes so far is Baker Mayfield. Obviously, uh, this offseason, he's been a huge story. Uh, we ended up feeling quite sorry for Baker, really, the way that he was right. shafted out of Cleveland. He, he did a lot for that team in a short amount of time, and, and we're very quick yeah. to forget that. Um, so he lands in Carolina. Is there a, a clear difference between the schemes at Cleveland and Carolina, and is there one that you think suits Baker best, i.e., is he in a better position now? It's uh, a great question. I'm... I don't know, right? And I think that's that's my honest, truthful mm-hmm. answer. You know, Ben McAdoo's coming in as the offensive coordinator for Carolina now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember him back with his days with with Eli Manning when they were slinging the ball all over the field. Um, you know, with that two-headed attack they had in Cleveland with Hunt and Nick Chubb, you know, it did force a lot of teams to stack the, the box. So play uh, sure. Baker Mayfield could do a lot of play action, could do a lot of different things to get his receivers open. So, I'm interested to see how, like what Ben McAdoo does with a healthy Christian McCaffrey too, yeah. right? I mean, that's another thing too. Is he's he's been hurt the past couple of years, so we haven't really been able to see him since his rookie year, uh, as far as like breakout wise. So I'm interested to see how that uh, all comes together. I the previous OC they had, Joe Brady in Carolina. I thought he did some great things at LSU, and you know, it's too bad it didn't necessarily work out for him in the NFL. 
But um, yeah, but I'm interested to see you know how him and Sam Donald do. Mm. I still think Sam Sam Donald's arm talent. I saw him make one throw. He was rolling to his offhand, and he just flicked the football 35 yards. And I'll never forget that throw. As far as like arm talent from a guy, mm-hmm. so I know he can still sling the football. And you just wonder if he just needs a new offense to be able to showcase his talents in because he didn't necessarily get it in New York Not with the Jets. Um, last year was a little bit of a down year for the, the team in general. So you really can't pin it on Sam Darnold. But, uh, you know, to answer your original question, I'm not exactly sure, but I just know Ben McAdoo does love to sling the football around. And it's uh, it'd be interesting to see how those two compete for that starting job. Okay, another quarterback that's been in the news a little bit, he moved to Indianapolis, Matt Ryan. There's been a lot of positivity around him. Um, how different does a Matt Ryan offense look compared to a Carson Wentz offense where the Colts were last year? For sure. So... You know what's interesting? If you actually look at Carson Wentz's stats from last year, they weren't bad. They were pretty yeah, good. Right. He just yeah, sort of I fell did. apart against the Jags and then they that's hated it. him. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, literally. That's He had one bad game. They're like, no, mm. we're done with this guy. So, you know, he had a pretty good year. I don't know off the top of my head, but if you go back and look at it, I want to say it was like 28-ish touchdowns to yeah. single-digit interceptions. Yeah, so he had a really good year. Yeah. So, um, you know, but that, that offense is stacked. And I think you bring an experienced quarterback like Matt Ryan, and he's just only, he's going to ignite that offense to to new levels, I think. And their mm-hmm. offensive line solid. They got one of the best running backs in the league. The receiving core is solid too. So I think you're just putting gasoline on fire at this point, and he's just going to take that to the next level. I believe at least because Matt Ryan, just from a mechanic standpoint, is very clean throwing the football. He's been around the game for so long, all the experience he has in the playoffs as well. Uh, I think it's just some, I think it's a, a huge get for the Colts, you know, going away from what they had with, with Wentz, but yeah, poor Wentz. I think he definitely got the short end of the stick as well, as far as playing consistently, then people instantly forget that he had a pretty good year. And now is at Washington. So who knows what, what happens? Yeah, exactly. There. Right. Right. Um, could ask you a million questions and we'd love to have you on again at some stage to delve more into the tactical Absolutely, stuff. Yeah. But um, yep. one more before I let you go. Uh, so you're currently the wide receiver coach uh, at yep. Bellingham. As yep. a wide receiver coach, looking at someone like Debo Samuel. So last year, he was utilized in this hybrid running back and wide receiver role, which reportedly he didn't like. He wants to be a wide receiver. Right. Um, right. When you've got a guy who's a weapon that has talent in, in such abundance on both positions, what do you do? How do you decide which one you roll with? If he's that good a wide receiver, do you keep him there? How do you approach it? Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because I, I can see his argument because he was just like, I'm not getting paid wide receiver and running back money. I'm getting mm. paid wide receiver money. So pay me like I'm both. And I, <laughs> I completely understand that. And from a coaching, like from a player understand uh, standpoint, I understand his argument and I agree with it. Right. It's like, mm. I'm playing both positions, pay me uh, from a coaching standpoint. I love what Shanahan did with him because yeah. he's the best player on the field, get him the football any way you possibly can. Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of coaches shy away from that. It's like, Oh, he's just a wide receiver. So we're going to throw him the football. And Shanahan was like, no, he's my best player. I have on my team. I'm getting him the football any way I possibly can. And you can see the things he did with it. Right. Um, you know, if he's, if he's saying I'm not playing running back and they have, you know, a, a dispute in that sense, there's definitely, definitely different creative ways you can get him the football by throwing it to him or, you know, pitching it to him on the edge, whatever it is, where he doesn't necessarily have to line up at that running back position. Um, so yeah, in that instance, it, it's tough. And again, just like, we're not in the room with them and we don't necessarily know how Debo feels and, you know, the conversations him and Shanahan have had, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, if I had a guy like that, who I just need to get the football in space, like I'd sit down with him, have that conversation, like, listen, 
Like the things you're doing, you're making this team instantly better. We need you. You know, let, let, yeah, we need you. Let's see if we can get you more money. Of course, you go to the, mm. the owner office and you, you pitch that. But in a sense, uh, you know, they're if you take him away from that offense last year, they're they're an okay offense, right? Yeah. I don't I don't think I think he was a huge driving force in what they did. So I'm uh, I'm curious to see you know how they moving forward they use him, but. Yeah, they'd have to do a lot more going back to West Coast, like a lot more horizontal passes, a lot more run after catch stuff just to get him involved in like the shorter game mm-hmm. and the intermediate game, as opposed to just trying to chuck the ball up a hundred times to him and hopefully he comes down with it. All right. I think I'm a lot smarter from that. I think our listeners are as well. <laughs> I've definitely leveled up in my knowledge. Um, guys, you you can follow Chris and Danny at Victory Sports. Again, that's V-I-Q uh, Victory. Follow them on Insta, follow them on YouTube. Their videos, they're so concise. They will teach you a lot in a short amount of time. Um, so, Chris, thanks so much for joining us, mate. I'll, um, I'm going to look into those coaching courses because I want to know more. Uh, and the fact yeah. that the first one's free, I mean, why wouldn't I do it? So, thanks right. for your time. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. And absolutely, I'm uh, willing to come back on, chat. And anything I can do to help anyone listening or if you have any football questions whatsoever, I'm, uh, I'm an open book. You, know, you can reach me at chris at victorysports.com. Email-wise, I'm on Twitter. Chris Victory. Um, yeah, and any other medium. We're on TikTok. We're on pretty much all the major social <laughs> platforms. So anything you do, I'm, I'm always happy to help out. So appreciate it, Curtis. Thanks so much, mate. And uh, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you all next week. 